This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. Do I need a four-year degree for that? You know, what route to go in the hotel? No, I could have taken probably, I, stopped. I probably could have watched a YouTube video on that, honestly, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know, you know, so, uh, and, and I do know that when I worked at a property in DC and it was, you know, cool, little, cute little boutique-y, I guess, luxury technically hotel, we had a couple um, interns that had come from Penn State University and they had, I, I'm assuming the school had a pretty good hospitality program and a good connection, more or less. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. Do you need to revamp your business strategy or do you need help with a project or someone to work with on a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant? If I can be of help to you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com contact. My guest today is Tony Matthews. He's the author of the Love Hate Hotels book series, creator of Love Hate Hotels across social media platforms and founder of Love Hate Hotels Inc., a hospitality headhunting, consulting and influencing company. His illustrative writing style about his career in hospitality gives us a behind the scenes look at what it's like in the trenches of a hotel and why so many of us both love and hate the industry. On this episode, Tony discusses how he got his start and climbed the ladder in operations before moving into sales, the lessons he's learned through his journey and his message to those just getting started in their career. So let's get to it. This is episode 26 of the Proven Principles podcast, Tony Matthews on love-hate hotels and career development. Enjoy. Tony, man, great to see you. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, why don't you give everyone a, a rundown about uh, your background? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So um, I actually went to college, uh, West Virginia University, uh, did what probably any not so smart um, college kid was and went pretty generic with my major. Um, well, actually, I started with engineering, got into, uh, finished with business uh, management, Um but, you know, obviously I'm not going to come out as a, as a manager. So uh, mm -hmm. got into real estate, uh, got my license there um, and actually started working part time at a hotel um, while I was doing that. That way I could actually make some money um, until I sell something. And oddly enough, ended up uh, enjoying uh, the hotel I was working at, was able to uh, get promoted pretty early on. And kind of just rode the wave from there. Um, you know, I hopped around probably more than most people do um, just because I was young, single, you know, had an opportunity to move down to Florida and the hot, you know, palm tree, sandy beach weather and uh, didn't have any reason not to do it. So, um, so I jumped, you know, jumped ship, went to hotel, to th this hotel, to this hotel, doing this job, this job, this job, um, kind of covered quite a few positions in the guest services side of things and eventually got into hotel sales, you know, doing group and catering sales for, for quite a few years there, um, inbound and outbound. 
and then ended up making a transition into hotel staffing um, mm-hmm. with a couple different companies there. So that kind of was a a different angle that I hadn't seen before, but but still, you know, still t- still technically the hotel business. Then ended up uh, deciding uh, I gotta get the heck out of hotels um, and. <laughs> <laughs> end up back in hotel. Not easy to do. Say, I was going to um, say, like we try, we all, most of us try, but we get sucked back in. Exactly. So, uh, so, so I ended up back in, but kind of, uh, it ended up actually turned into, um, a learning lesson and then kind of helped me actually write the sequel to my first book, um, based on that. So it kind of, okay. it actually kind of benefited me in a way. Um, and then, now I am. I'm still in the travel industry, um, but let's just say it's not quite in uh, hotels anymore. Yeah, still, it's like a uh, like a spoke of the hub, well, yes. whatever that analogy is. Yeah, um, exactly. you know, you you accomplished something in writing the book, and I, I don't want to lead the witness too much here into this podcast. But maybe before I get to the question, for those of you that that don't people that don't know you. Um, can you give a little bit of a rundown of love hate hotels? What's, how did that come to be? Um, you know, how did you, I mean, you're an author. That's crazy. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, pretty, uh, something that I had never in a hundred thousand years would have guessed uh, I would have done is, is written a book, but, uh, it was kind of one of those where once I had gotten into hotel sales for a few years, I was in a different department and I was still seeing a lot of the same things in quite a few of the other departments I had worked in previously. Um, and like I said, I'd hopped around hotel to hotel to position to position and it was the same thing at every hotel. You know, at one point you're at a hotel, you're like, you know what, I'm just at a bad hotel. You know, this manager's horrible or, or these guests are just horrible because it's an old hotel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then I was going to another one and it was like the same thing. You know, the, the same things would occur. The same guests come to that hotel too. You have the same maintenance issues or, or computer issues that you had at the, the hotel previously. Um, so I learned pretty quickly that there's no such thing as a perfect hotel, mm-hmm. uh, new or new or old. Um, and so it, I, I don't know if there was one particular thing that occurred um, that I could say that that's what made me start writing it. But I do remember it was a particular hotel where I was working in sales in Tampa, Florida. And I was like, man, I, I have to start writing this stuff down. I mean, there's just too many things, too many trends. And and in talking with all the people that I met working in the hotel industry, everybody seemed to have that same kind of, man, I love hotels. I love, um, you know, meeting new people every day. I love the weird hours. I love... Um, you know, just anything and everything about it. Uh, and then at the same time, people were trashing it or, man, I don't make enough money or, or man, these hours that I thought were awesome were horrible because I can't mm-hmm. go to my friend's wedding on the weekend because I got to work at the front desk or, um, you know, why is this manager horrible or, you know, just, it was, yeah. it was very much a love hate. And I'm sure you could probably say that about any job ever, but, um, it seemed to be so common with the hotel industry at every hotel I went to, it was like, all right, like I'm going to start putting some of this to paper. Um, not only just that part of it, but, um, just some of the experience that I went across, whether it was interactions with guests or interactions with employees, um, 
and one of the things I like to make clear with people is, is you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a younger guy, I guess you could say younger in my thirties, but I'm no general manager for 50 years, 80 year old guy that's done every position in the hotel industry and could probably write a way better, more experienced book than me and probably has way funnier, cooler stories that they've seen in hotels. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was your average hotelier, I guess, or hotel uh, associate, however you want to term it, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for, for just over 10 years enough to, to get a taste of it and realize I, I, either need to stay in this industry and love it or get out of it um, because I didn't necessarily love it as much as I hated it. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's pretty much what happened. And then it took me a good four or five years to actually uh, to get it to the, to the final phase. And, and there were multiple times within the book where I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is the ending. I mean, this is the perfect ending. You know, I'm leaving this hotel. I'm going to this new fancy one, you know, it'll be easy and I'll just retire and, and, and sail off in, in the breeze. <laughs> and, uh, and no, I mean, that would nope. be like the halfway point of the book. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, so it ended up taking a good four or five years to, to actually get the book finished. Um, but I, I think, uh, the first book ended exactly how I wanted it to end. So it was actually, mm-hmm. and, and I had no intentions of writing a, a, a sequel book you know, because not to necessarily spoil the book, but, uh, I didn't intend to have a, an extension of the first book. So when you get to the ending like that, my intent was not to have an extension. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just so happened that, uh, I got enough new, uh, I guess you would say hotel material material to to do it all over again, except this time it didn't take me four years to do this one. This one, this one was a little quicker, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was kind of, kind of cool uh it's kind of a cool switch the second book because it kind of took what i learned from the first one of my experience in hotels and kind of go from there so whereas my first book was more a um you know kind of me growing from college all the way up to the point where i realized i got to get out of this industry and then the second book kind of okay, I got to do what I got to go do this time. I'm not going to mess around. I've been around the block a few times, like a little less, um, critiquing. I, it's, it's hard to explain without reading it, but, um, but it's a cool, it's a cool transition from the first book to the second book and then how the second book ends, which will be the end of the, of the series, um, kind of brings everybody up to speed with, with COVID. So, Oh, I see. So two two book series. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So now this isn't going to be like a hotel thing where you try to get out and it pulls you back in. There's no there's no third book that's going to get you back into it. I mean, if I ever somehow, you know, by the grace of God, get back in there, um, there's going to be a lot of requirements that need to be met in order for me to to be there. Um, but if anything, there, there might be a book. Um, on some different angles of, of maybe helping people get back into the industry or, mm-hmm. or the correct way to go or different spinoffs, but definitely not the, my, I guess, memoir portion of, of the love hate in hotel industry. So. Yeah. It's such a great title too, how you came up with that. I mean, it's so <laughs> true. The sentiment of it is uh, it's true. I mean, I've been, <clears throat> I mean, me uh, 25 years in the industry uh, and thought about leaving countless times. Yeah. But, you know, you always, something then happens that just, 
I don't know, it gets that fire going again and you want to stick it out or, you you know, to your point, you get a new job, you move to a new hotel, you meet a whole new group of yep. people uh, and it just gives you that energy again. Um, and that's what's so interesting about the industry I've found is there's not a lot of jobs that you can get where you get paid to basically travel the world if you're open to going where the work is and exactly. living in places that people save up for maybe their entire lives to visit once. That's your home. Um, and, uh, I think that's one of the things that always drew me to it. That kept me in it, um, is those, those maybe, uh, uh, more personal experiences, not the paycheck experiences in the building. Yep. That's the, what's the saying? It's, uh, everybody says we live where you vacation, but hospitality, it's, we work where you vacation. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. if, that's if you're working in a hotel you know, who knows, you could be in a little business district, you know, small scale hotel. So that's nece- right. not necessarily the case, but the opportunity exists to go to that um, resort in Miami Beach or wherever. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love how you talk about in the book, your start getting that job uh, as a front desk agent and kind of learning the ropes at the front desk. And I remember when I started, I started as a uh, pot washer. I was working the, uh, oh, wow. the 7, 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift, uh, not the 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift. Uh, and I, I have this vivid memory of seeing the front desk people walk through the back of house going to to their jobs and, you know, all done up in their nice uniforms. And I'm in my scrubs, basically, uh, <laughs> working in the kitchen. And I said, man, I want to do that job. I got to get to the front. How do you get to have a job like that? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I got there and uh, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Did it, did it turn out to be that for you? Was it? Uh, it's one of those where it's, um, it's, it's, and you said it perfectly. It's, it's the glorified position to work in, in the hotel, you know, and I don't, I don't know if it's just a matter of, you said it too, the, the, the fancy suit, you know, so you feel, you feel like you make a lot of money. You feel like you're important, but you know, at the end of the day, you're probably making the same amount as the pot washer that you were making, you know, just at the front desk getting yelled at and dealing with, you know, quite a few different, uh, tasks that should probably get you paid more, but not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, and you know how it is at the desk, you, you, um, you have that sense of, of, of managing, you know, and I had this business management degree. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm managing the front desk by myself. You know, I don't really have any managers eyeing me you know, sometimes, but for the most part, I was running the hotel with maybe mm-hmm. the assistant of another front desk uh, agent. So it's, uh, it just gives you that sense of being a leader without being a leader and then definitely without the, the pay of being a leader. So, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. You learn that pretty early on, I guess. You totally do. Trial by fire out there without yeah. a doubt. What was the, uh, f- for people that are listening who may want to get to be a front desk agent or maybe a front desk manager, what was the, what was the thing that you learned in that job that you didn't expect? And maybe the thing that you learned in that job that carried you through your career, um, up until where you are today. Did anything stick with you? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, first and foremost, you just have to be social. I mean, if you know hospitality, you know that for the most part, the people are pretty cool. They can get along with everybody. And obviously you're going to butt heads every now and again, but for the most part, you can spark a conversation with anybody. I don't know if it's necessarily for somebody that's uh, 
that's an introvert. If so, then maybe accounting or, or revenue is for you. But, um, you know, as far as front desk, I pretty much got the job by just being friendly. Um, you know, I hit it off with the sales manager at that first hotel and, and she was the one actually put in the recommendation and, and next thing you know, I'm working the front desk and, and by me being cool with everybody at the hotel, I mean, I'm talking about the agents, the managers, the mm-hmm. housekeepers, the engineers, everybody, you know, don't leave anybody out. And you know, when it comes time for them to look for somebody to, to move up, they say, well, man, Tony gets along with everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Tony. He shows up on time. He doesn't mess around. You never have to worry about, you know, everybody getting sent to the wrong room or, or little things like that. And, um, you know, and people will remember that. I mean, you could, you could, you know, I, I think about a lot of the people that I've worked with in hotels and some of the people were, you know, the, the sharpest dress, the best, you know, very proper in the way they spoke, uh, would never make a mistake necessarily as, as far as the computer systems and everything else. But that person might not have been as, as social and, and gotten along with everybody. And I think a lot of times they'll choose that person that does get along with the people um, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not only a people business, but you have to get along with not only the guests that are coming in the hotel, but the associates, because it's real easy. And I've been in hotels where, you know, you have a lot of negative Nancy's because it is a love hate. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You don't necessarily right. get paid as much as you probably should. Your hours are, are horrendous. So, you know, as long as, as long as you can at least fake being positive while you're at work and, and getting <laughs> along with people, even if you don't get along with them, at least right. uh, I think that carries a long way. And that's something that you're not necessarily going to learn in, in college or, or even hospitality school. Right. I think that's just kind of your upbringing, really just, just mm-hmm. be a positive person and, and it'll, it'll, it'll resonate in your promotions and, and, and things at work. Yeah. I remember, um, the first time that I realized, and it actually happened at the front desk, this was, and that this was the thing that carried through my career was so much of my success depended on getting work done through other people. And that, that lesson, I mean, at the front desk, you've got to have a great relationship with housekeeping and you can't be bombarding them with rushing rooms all the time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, all of the, the, the love hate that happens between those two departments, um, is very real. Uh, and that lesson stuck with me as I moved through the ranks, eventually took on leadership positions and, and moved on, on my career. Um, it's the successful operation of a hotel is dependent on many people coming together and playing small parts. And it, it yeah. emerges as this hopefully seamless experience. Um, and, but that was one of the things that stuck with me early days. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's cool. It's cool to see, um, you know, over the course of your career and, it, and I might not even thought twice about it until I was going to write the book. And you, you think about some of the people that you cross paths with, cross paths with, and, um, you know, I'll talk about in there, a manager that was like, you know, some of, some of these people have these genes that, and it's how you're raised. And, um, you know, that, that, that it'll be like a manager I had that was like the calmest person uh, on the face of this earth. Even when, you know, you have everybody and their mother coming in here yelling at you for whatever you did wrong or whatever the housekeeper did wrong. And, and you kind of learn from them. You're like, man, how do you keep 
such a calm demeanor with these guests, you know, and you kind of just you take a little bit from everybody that you work with and kind of try to piece it all together to become, you know, the perfect uh, hotel person. But it's uh, it's cool. It, it's it's fun. It's like I said, everybody's personable. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's I think a lot of it is just your 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 upbringing. But uh, but working in hotels and then watching other successful people helps. When you moved up through your career, did you go into what else kind of air quote around different caliber hotels? So you started at one type of hotel and maybe moved up different tiers. Yeah. So I remember for a while there, my little description in, uh, in LinkedIn was, you know, was pretty much bragging about that. And I actually talk about that in the book too, is, um, you know, you had, I had to make me hopping around look as good as I possibly could because at the end of the day, you're looking at my resume, like this dude's been at 10 hotels in four years. Like what is going on? Is he, is he horrible or is he just have a problem? And so I, I, I had to shift my, my bouncing into some sort of good way. And I remember it was like, you know, I've worked at a, a resort hotel. I've worked at a city hotel. I've worked in a, um, you know, rural hotel. I've worked in new hotels. I've, I've had to open a hotel. I had to close a hotel. I've worked in like luxury boutique hotels and then, uh, and then not so luxury boutique hotels. And then also, you know, you're running the meal. Hotel. So I, so I learned to, and then full service, select service. I learned to kind of <laughs> script my bouncing into a, uh, uh, diverse experience. It, <laughs> yeah. It sounded a lot better than it was. And even, even, even position, you know, I had to, yeah. um, I, at one point I went from front desk agent and literally on my own took a position as a, uh, valet attendant bell well, it was valet slash bellman slash concierge so however you want to spin that mm-hmm. but i took the position knowing that i was kind of formulating that hotel experience i said hey if i'm growing in this industry guess what i haven't been valet i haven't been a bellman i haven't been in concierge um even though you do a lot of the concierge at the front desk of the hotels i had been at but i said you know what it's okay i mean i was gonna get paid the same and a little bit more anyway so I said, let's do it. So, you know, kind of just built that, uh, you know, that experience that no one necessarily has to know, you know, that I was at the desk before I was a bellman, you know, or at the desk before I was valet attendant, you know, all they're going to know is valet, bellman, concierge, front desk, front desk manager, <laughs> et cetera. But, yeah. um, you know, so, uh, you gotta spin it how you gotta spin it. But, but yeah, it was a, it was a wide variety of, of, of places and, and, and tiers of hotels I was at. And that's kind of what you know, I had been to enough to the point where I was like, okay, like there's clearly a trend and oh, not to mention sales offices, you know, I had been in, in the corporate side of hotels, which, which that's a whole nother ball game, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, you still see it over there. You wouldn't think you would, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm finally out of a physical hotel. So everything's got to be green on this side, you know, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. Amazing. But Nope, it's still the hotel business. So you're, it you're totally gonna get, is. You're going to get the same, the same it, stuff. It's all the same. It doesn't matter if you're on property or you're in a home office. It's uh, it's the same stuff. For exactly. Sure. And, fran- and then not to mention franchise and non-franchise as well. So you, uh, so you eventually moved into hotel sales. Yep. I feel like there, if anybody who's been in hospitality for a certain amount of time, if you don't go the... HR or accounting route, mm-hmm. you almost always start in some sort of operations position. 
And there's, you hit a fork in the road and you decide, okay, I'm going to stay in operations or I'm going to go down the sales road. Did the same thing happen to you? And if it did, like, what was the thing that made you decide I'm done with ops? I got to go this direction now. Yeah. So I was probably in my mid twenties, I want to say. And, and I was actually, I had, I had worked as a supervisor at a property and had the unfortunate incident of the hotel shutting down. Um, so within the matter of, you know, weeks, I was like, man, I need to get another hotel job like quick. And it was at a time where there really wasn't much open. Uh, so I ended up jumping into a agent position again, um, which wasn't ideal. But at that point, I'd worked there. I knew I could do my six months and move along. So I was like, whatever, mm-hmm. get in with a good company six months, and then I can I can move up again or, or, or go whatever route. And it happened to be with the big company it was it was Marriott. And I, and I talk, I don't think I actually even touched on this in the book, but I, I think I mentioned in our previous podcast, I did. It's, it's interesting because, you know, you can work in a hotel and not necessarily even know that other positions are out there other than the ones that you know of at the hotel. You know, you might only think it's front desk, you know, your uh, management team, housekeeping engineer, you might think that's it. You know, you might not even know there's a sales department or, or revenue or accounting behind the scenes. And the only reason I had sales had even sparked my interest was because we had gotten a new general manager who was of, you know, a zillion years of sales experience. He had come as a director of sales to our hotel because I really needed to bring in some, um, some sales to our property. And he just had a completely different mindset uh, that I was used to seeing, you know, on the operations side, you know, super OCD with certain things and obviously with numbers and then bringing people into the hotel. But even as far as, you know, your uniform and the, the, the little pins lined up on the computer correctly and just everything. And it was, it, it reminded me a lot of me and then I hadn't really seen it. yet. Uh, so I sparked a little interest in, in that side of things and just kind of been talking to him. And then we had a little salesperson at our property that I had never really even thought twice about I was like, man, I said, that might be a pretty cool gig, you know, to get into sales because it's a Monday through Friday thing. I'm not going to be physically at a property anymore because this was a new property. And I was learning that even a brand new property was not a perfect property, which I thought, mm-hmm. you know, oh, brand new property, nothing can go wrong here. Well, yeah, it has Except a fair problem. Yeah. I mean, there's a club next door, you know, yeah. there was a security desk downstairs that everybody complained because it seemed sketchy, you know, there's everything. So there was a train that went by our hotel. So nobody wanted those rooms, of course. And, uh, so, you know, I was like, Hmm, interesting. This could, this could, this could work. And so then in researching some of the positions, there was a sales office pretty close by to that hotel, probably about 30 minutes away. And, you know, researched the, the, the job site a little bit, saw the sales assistant positions, which was cool because then you could pretty much go from a front desk agent to that department um, without necessarily having anything else. So I was like, okay, this could, this could possibly work. And I applied for about 8,000 different uh, sales assistant positions that uh, little did I know probably wasn't the greatest idea because they do see that you apply for every position. So mm. when I apply for 20 positions uh, and, and I'm not getting them, that's probably not a good idea, but ended up getting one. Um, I mean, months later, uh, I finally got the call and it, it was cool that I went that route, but it also kind of depressed me a little bit because 
you know, I had already been working in hotels for probably five years, at least at that point. And I had bounced around all these hotels and I pretty pretty much kind of floated around front desk, front desk supervisor, front desk manager, you know, little concierge. And I was like, man, I literally could have graduated college and gone straight into this sales assistant role. Right. And had that Monday through Friday, getting paid a tiny bit better than, than you know, any of the guest service positions that I had. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, so it was, it was a, um, a cool decision, but also a little bit depressing and then kind of opened my eyes to, I, I think the love hate with hotels might've been a little more love had I had been a little more familiar with the, some of the paths I could have taken along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe, maybe that would, maybe that would win the argument for the people that say, uh, should you go to hospitality school? Cause I'm sure in hospitality school, you're going to learn what ropes you can take. So right. then I wouldn't have wasted five years in the hotel industry doing front desk, you know? Right. So, but you know, you live and you learn and uh, operations, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I know this is going to sound bad, but I don't know if anybody really is like dreaming of being an operation, but I think it's <laughs> just a matter of it's kind of the easier step to take in the property because mm-hmm. you can just go to the you know supervisor, manager, director. It, it, you know, right. I don't know if anybody says, man, I want to be a director of food and beverage and work every single weekend of my life, every night. Like, I just can't wait to do that and not be able to have dinner with my family. You know, that, that's my right. dream job. I don't, I don't know if that's You true. just end up being in it for, for long enough where you're like, well, okay. That's the next step. What else am I going to go do? You kind of move up the ladder, make make a, a little bit more money, um, yeah. have far more um, put on your plate. You know, bring a side plate over, and we're going to fill that one up too. Um, right. Yeah, and that just that's kind of the way that it goes all the way up the ladder. Well, and it, and if you want to be GM, I mean, realistically, that's there's a couple ways, obviously, to become GM, but. You know, I know people that, yeah, they moved up. They did exactly that. Supervisor, manager, director, or maybe not even director, just went straight to GM. Um, And that's the, you know, you can obviously do a zillion different routes in the hotel industry, but Mm -hmm. sometimes that's the one that that people choose to take operations. But I think if I were to go back in time, I would have hopped in sales way sooner in in the game. Yeah. What do you think from from your experience, the people that you've interacted with putting the book together. What's the thing about hotels that, that maybe that you love and that you hate? What's the, what's the push and pull there? So the number one, oh man, that's, that's a a tough one there. I think say, I would say it's a more uh, accumulation of some things, but um, I mean, I would just have to say it has to be like more or less the inner workings of hotels that that was more of the, um, the frustrating part. I mean, the love part was obviously, you know, dealing with new guests every day, meeting new people every day, something different every day, Mm -hmm. hanging out with the awesome people in the hotel industry. Everybody's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But then as far as the inner workings, I mean, like, you know, the pay is just, kind of sad the benefits yeah you know they kind of wave some benefits in front of you but they aren't really that great i mean you know it's a lot of um you know hotel discounts but if you're if you're working on these crazy hours anyway and not getting paid a lot you're really not going to take advantage of these discounts Mm -hmm. you know some of the computer systems that just were so far behind in technology it's just like depressing and uh you know it's just it's just 
accumulation of little things here and there. But uh, again, I mean, I think I would have a different appreciation of the love-hate had, let's say, maybe I had not even gone to college and mm-hmm. hopped into hotels and, and climbed the ladder and making a ton of money and then boom, great. But but I think coming right. from from somebody who went to four years of a good university and then stumbled in and kind of peeked your way up the ladder a little bit. I, I just don't know if it's something that people would do, but, um, but I go through at the end of the book that basically, uh, you know, on the first book that says, you know, you know, I talk about all these things that I don't necessarily like in hotels. So why on earth do I still work in them? You know, and it kind of goes through a couple things and then it also, and then, and then I also have a little section at the very end that says, if I were to basically rewind in time and do, do things different, how would I have done it? And then I even talk about, you know, if I had stayed in real estate, um, had I had started doing, um, uh, well, actually the restaurant industry, I worked in for like a tiny period of time, but, um, and then the hotel industry just, just what I would have done a little bit different. So, uh, so it's, it's a combination of things. I don't know if there's one particular thing that's like, I mean, the one thing I, I would think that you have to, and we kind of touched on a little bit earlier that that's the, the love is just the fact that you can literally work wherever you want. I mean, once you've worked front desk somewhere, there's no saying you can't work front desk anywhere unless you don't speak the language of wherever you want right. to work. I mean, obviously you're going to run into some difficulties there. You know, I'd looked at working in Mexico at a hotel, I'm like, man, that would be awesome. But I don't speak Spanish. So realistically, I don't, I wouldn't even apply for a job just because I don't think I have a chance. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's just, it's very flexible as far as what you can do and where you can go as long as they're willing to make that sacrifice. And again, this is coming from somebody who was, who was single for a long time. I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a dog. I didn't mind leaving my family and and paying my own rent and my own bills. A lot of people, you know, stay with their parents for a long time and then kind of soak up that money while they can. They want to buy a house in their hometown and have their dog and their dream little family. And so it might not be in the cards for them to, to, to do that. So but for me and anyone else who who is in that situation, there's there's a a lot of space to oh, yeah. to move and and grow. I can relate uh, absolutely. Did the same thing. Um, I heard a a few years ago. I heard a saying: uh, team building through shared pain and misery. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just resonated with me because that's exactly uh, what it's like sometimes. Um, you know, you, you you develop these strong bonds with people because you go through difficult things together. You deal with difficult situations. And I mean, I'm sure you're the same. I've got relationships with people who, that I worked with 20 years ago in hotels and we still keep in touch today. And, uh, you know, some of them got out, some of them like myself stayed in. <laughs> uh, but you know, you still have those shared experiences. It's, um, it's yeah. that, and I agree with you that that's probably the thing that keeps most people in it. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, you said it right there. That was one of the biggest loves is, is just the connections that you do make. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing job for networking, you know, as far as not only career, but just your life in general. I mean, for the most part, everybody that I worked with, I'm, I'm still cool with, I mean, I'm a, you know, text or, or Instagram message away from, from everybody. I mean, there might be mm-hmm. w- one or two managers that maybe not so much, but, um, but even some of the ones that, that, you know, I didn't necessarily hit it off with. I mean, I would still, 
And I say that in the book too, you know, I would still, there's a couple managers that I wasn't big fans of and they might not have been big fans of me, but we would still grab a beer. You know, if I was in their city, you know, nowadays I'd hit them up, be like, Hey, what are you doing? Let's, let's go grab a drink and, and kind of brush, just catch up, brush some of those things off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to get your take on experience versus education. Mm-hmm. in hospitality. And you alluded to it earlier about going to school and and you know, walking in with a four-year degree. And this is something that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about and talking with uh, a few different people on is you know, we've got this, this pandemic right now and there's hundreds of hotel programs across the country, thousands around the world. There's tens of thousands of uh, kids in these programs that are that either just graduated this year or are, you know, uh, maybe next year, the next two years, going to graduate or coming out of high school thinking about going into a hotel program. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your view on this? Um, is there value in hospitality education? And, and you've got the benefit of hindsight now, right? Looking back uh, mm-hmm. and seeing how the industry has changed. Um, what's, what do you think in there? Okay. So that is a tough one, but, um, so I didn't go to hospitality school, so I can't sit here and say it's necessarily worth it or not worth it just because I can't say I have the four years of experience of being in it. Um, will it help? Sure. Of course it'll help. Um, is it needed? Mm, I don't know. I think it just depends what you want to do. I mean, if you're going to be an accountant at a hotel, do you really need a hotel management degree? No, you just Mm -hmm. get an accounting degree. Um, what I would suggest is probably get, a. uh, I was going to say a legitimate degree, but wow, that sounded bad. Um, <laughs> get get a, a more generalized degree and then maybe get a, a traditional. Minor, get yeah, a get traditional a, maybe a, like a little minor, a couple certificates in hotels. I, you know, I don't know if it's necessary to have a whole four year because you might, you know, screw yourself in the long run if, if something like this happens. I mean, who in a, whoever would have expected this, but now, you know, those people that have a hospitality degree and they only have worked in a hotel, let's say for one year out of school, where are they going to go? I mean, is it, are they going to be able to get an accounting degree or, or uh, um, you know, any other degree that that doesn't involve the word hotel or, or restaurant? Uh, so that would be my thing. Um, and that was pre pre pandemic. I was always um, a fan of a of a, another degree rather than hospitality. Now I will say I'm also a little bit different on 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 the opinion of going to college because like I said I did go to a four year um, school you know pretty expensive one so when I look back now I don't even think I would have done that I would have probably just done a little two year degree and had I known I wanted to work in hospitality or hotel specifically I would have started while I was either in high school or right out of high school while I was taking some college courses mm-hmm. because you can climb the ranks pretty quickly. Like I said, as long as you're a good people person, you do well, you learn quickly. A lot of these hotels have enough training courses on their own that you don't necessarily um, you know, right. need that four-year backup. I mean, I think the four years is, is good. Just four-year college in general is good just because you're living on your own for four years. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. Does it need to be hospitality? Mm. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I don't think so. Um, but again, you know, like I said earlier in this podcast is, you know, I would have learned the rankings in the hotel industry. Do I need a four-year degree for that? You know, what route to go in the hotel? No, I could have taken probably a 
I probably could have watched a YouTube video on that, honestly, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know, you know, so, uh, and, and I do know that when I worked at a property in DC and it was, you know, cool, little, cute little boutique, I guess, luxury, technically hotel, we had a couple, um, interns that had come from Penn state university and they had, I, I'm assuming the school had a pretty good hospitality program and a good connection more or less to, to these hotels because we had um, quite a few people coming from that college to ours. I don't know what kind of connection they had. And they would do, you know, the manager and training program at mm-hmm. our hotel, which seemed pretty cool because basically they would start off as a, as a um, I guess they still called it a manager and trading of like the front desk. And they would go right. to housekeeping and then they would go to wherever. Um, the kicker is, is I don't know if they were getting paid as a manager. I think pretty sure they were getting paid pretty similar to what we were getting paid at the front desk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, you know, kind of that typical uh, hotel um, workaround, I guess you would say, where, you know, they're doing management duties, but they're still getting paid as a front desk agent. And I just don't know how many, I, I would be curious to, to see the statistics as to how many people went into a management well first of all how many people can get into a management training program at a property and then once they've gotten that management training experience i guess what jobs they got after that and like was it was right. it worthwhile um was it worthwhile over just starting in hotels by yourself and then climbing your own ranks was like was there an advantage to one over the other um, yeah. cause I don't know if it gets your foot in the door any quicker than other people. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'd have to see some stats on that. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, I know that the, the management and training programs are pretty big recruiting drives for, uh, for hotels. Definitely some of the big companies, they go to the big hotel schools, uh, you know, the beginning of the year and we'll try to recruit some of the best workers at job fairs to come and join their management training programs because they got to fill the bench for all of the people that, you know, whether it's going to be attrition uh, of managers because they leave the industry or they move on or they get transferred to other hotels, you need to keep feeding the system uh, with new blood. Uh, And and that's, that's a, that's really, I would say probably 20 years ago, that's when these management training programs really started to gain uh, traction when you really start to see them in a lot of places. Um, it's yeah, the, the experience versus education debate is, uh, in hotels. It's, it's one of the only industries I think where that debate still exists, where if you want to have a a successful career in a relatively high paying position, you don't necessarily have to go to school. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Um, the, the difference I think over the last probably 10 years is that if you want to get into being a general manager, that's become, a, especially in some of the bigger hotels, this is, it's become mm-hmm. a very different uh, ball game with uh, institutional owners and private equity firms buying hotels. Um, it's, it's seen, it's viewed more as a business than it is um, a uh, operating, uh, something with guests arriving and departing in a box of that you just have to get through the day. And, uh, mm-hmm. suddenly you're making more reports and is it helps if you're a general manager and you can speak the language of the owners. And if they happen to be money guys or private equity guys, uh, if you can 
relate to them on their level, then suddenly maybe you start talking about, does it make sense to get a master's degree? Like that's when the conversation definitely shifts. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to go up the ranks for sure, you don't necessarily need to do it. Yeah. And I would just probably like personally, like if I knew I wanted to get into hotel sales, which I don't know if anybody knows that that's what they're going to get into, but you know, do a degree in marketing or sales instead of hotels. Absolutely. Yeah. And then and same thing with, even if you think you're going to become a general manager, I would almost think that uh, maybe an accounting or finance degree would, would do better off since you're going to be dealing with, you know, budget and financing and everything else. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's probably where I stand, but I mean, yeah, it, it could, that could go back and forth. I mean, because, you know, I, I just don't know. And this is, this could be a whole other topic, but, but if, you know, this day and age, would I ever go back even pre COVID, you know, would I ever get into the hotel industry anyway, when, you know, you could, you know, create your own YouTube channel and, you know, make a zillion dollars for <laughs> whatever the heck dancing on TikTok or, you know, right. it's just, I don't, I don't know if, if, I don't know if I'd go to school for four years to be, to get out of school and be a front desk agent as a hotel when there's mm-hmm. quite a few other options out there. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. There's, now, there's... now don't get me wrong. I mean, I've learned through just the love, hate hotels, Instagram that, you know, there's a lot of other cultures in the world that, you know, the hotel industry is like, that's a, that's a popular thing, you know, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, here in the USA, you're not, bragging to your friend that you're a front desk agent at the Mandarin Oriental. Nobody cares, you know, but if you're in, you know, let's say you're in, um, Malaysia somewhere and you're working at the, actually I don't even know if there's a Mandarin there, but you know, if you're working there, there, then people are like, Oh my God, this guy, you know, he's awesome. You know, the girls might think he's, you know, super attractive because he works there. It's a total different, they definitely go to school for hospitality there, but that's also more, it's more normal there. I don't know if mm-hmm. their pay necessarily reflects it because I can tell you it doesn't in the U.S., but it seems like there it's more accepted. And I don't know if it's because a lot of those places tend to be tourist-driven, but yeah. it definitely, I think it's it's region-based, uh, you know, the, the experience and the schooling mm-hmm. and, and, and everything else. For sure. Um, you talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, some of the cultural changes that needs to happen in hospitality and the pandemic has definitely uh, illuminated uh, some of those, some of those elements I think that need to be addressed uh, in the industry at large. Um, What do you think, what's your opinion on what those fundamentals are that need to change and, you know, how would we get there? How do, how do we, how do we move the conversation forward from just complaining about it to actually making meaningful change and a difference as we come out of this pandemic? Yes. So, I mean, you're talking about like things like I was talking about, like the, like the low pay and the computer systems and such. Absolutely. Yeah. So as far as the pay goes, I I think really it just, it needs to take a a big hotel chain, one that people respect to make the move. I mean, to, to say, okay, listen, from this point on, we're going to be paying agents this, that's the minimum. I mean, obviously it's different because every state and city might pay a little bit different, but 
but they need to take the stand that they're going to pay their associates a, a wage that they can live off of. You know, you, you can, I don't care if you're a housekeeper or front desk agent when you're making the minimum wage and nobody can live off of that. It, it, it is what it is. So, you know, I, I always catch crap because I posted a couple of things on my Instagram for um, uh, the CEO of Hilton saying something about how he doesn't tip housekeepers. Of course, the Hilton people are all going to hate me and they say I hate Hilton, but I work for Hilton and I actually really like working for them. But, um, you know, regardless of which company it was, if you're a CEO of a hotel chain, you just, you're, you just, I don't even care if you don't tip housekeepers. Well, I care if you don't have to tip housekeepers, but if you don't tip housekeepers, you don't tell people that you don't tip housekeepers in that position, period. So that was my issue. Um, I think he could have spun that into, that would have been the prime time. You know, he could have said, you know what? You're right. Our housekeepers, they shouldn't have to rely on tips. They should be making enough, uh, you know, money so that it's not an issue. It shouldn't, because if people aren't tipping anymore, it, it shouldn't be a tipped position. You know, mm-hmm. obviously a server position, a bartender position, a busser position, and let's say hotel restaurants, like those are probably going to always be some sort of tip positions, at least for now. I know some countries are not, but you don't say a position like a housekeeping or even a front desk position. They, you know, say, Oh yeah, well you get tips at the front desk. Well, not really. I mean, it kind of depends mm-hmm. what hotel you're working at, but for the most part, not really. So you need to get that paid to a point where make it a profession, you know, make, make the front desk a profession. That way mm-hmm. people want to work the front desk. That way people want to go to hospitality school to become a front desk agent. Mm-hmm. You know, can you imagine if a front, de- you know, a front desk agent was making sixty thousand a year? I mean, there might be, you know, somewhere in the United States, but um, you know, actually a livable wage at the front desk and actually a, you know, a salary. Can you imagine a salaried front desk agent instead of hourly? You know, actual legitimate benefits. You know, actually get a week off a year. You know, actually get your holidays and whatever else. Um, you know, I, I think I think that's what it's missing. And that's when you were asking me about what position I wanted to go to making that transition to sales or operations. Mm. I think that swayed my my opinion because when I went to sales, it was technically seen as a corporate position. Mm-hmm. So the benefits were completely different. You know, the hours are completely different. Like everything, it's like a whole different company I was in, even though it was the same company. Um, but it's just that difference from from the hotel, you know, kind of seen as, you know a lower level, I guess you would say, uh, associate, unless you're, unless you're a general manager or the revenue manager or director, whatever, everybody else is kind of seen as, you know, just like, whatever you're, you're, you're replaceable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think if, if hotels can, can get away from that, um, and I don't know if, if pay is the only answer, I, I think you just have to make it a little bit more, um, legitimate and and i think i talk about this in the book was uh you know one of the things that would frustrate me and this, and this was at every hotel i thought it was just one and then it ended up being at every hotel you know you have these associate you know meetings whether it be for christmas or just your all hands you know quarterly whatever and you would have your um your awards you know employee of the month or or, or whatever award they want to come up with but it would always be, you know, kind of seen as like, a, okay, which lower level position person can we give this free 32 inch TV to, you know? And it's like, and in every quarter you'd have these little meetings and you're like, oh, which, you know, which housekeeper is going to get this 
blender this year, which, you know, Buster's going to get this. And it was just kind of like, it just makes you feel like lower level, just really tacky. Right. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, you know, you're just not seen as legitimate employees. Right. You know, with it, it, it feels a little demeaning. Yeah. Demeaning that that's a good way to put it. And then, and then even hotels, I mean, you know, I think, I do think hotels see it as maybe team, team camaraderie or whatever, but a lot of these hotels, these major chains will call their, you know, instead of calling them employees or associates that come up with some cheesy, you know, name to call them instead of that. Yeah. And I think it just, it, it, it ends up coming across as more demeaning than it does but why can't you just call us employees? That's what we are and treat yeah. us like employees instead of calling us hosts or uh, all-stars or whatever the heck. Uh, what did Starwood, I think, used to call their employees something really crazy, but oh, I can't remember. I don't remember. Um, I think Marriott is still hosts. They call them yeah. hosts. Yeah. Um, Hilton, I can't remember what Hilton's was, was either, but, um, you know, it's just these little tacky the intent- workarounds. And, yeah. And, the intentions might be good, but it, right. just, it just doesn't, it falls false flat. Yeah. 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 I agree. And, and maybe it wouldn't fall flat if, if the technology was up to speed, if the pay was up to speed, um, you know, if people's schedules came out, you know, earlier than a day before the schedule starts, you know, just, just little things. I think it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but, um, I think just legitimizing the, the hotels to make it so that people want to be there, want to have a career in hotels, and not have to worry about, uh, you know, am I going to have to find a, a a new job because this um, now I'm only getting a couple hours a week, and it's just right. it's just right. it's, I, it's there's a lot of a lot of little things, but but I think it has to start with 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 the pay and the just the babying of, of front desk agents because if you go to college for four years and you come out a front desk agent you know, you've been living by yourself for four years and then you come in and get babied as this, you know, $10 an hour front desk agent, you know, they're mm-hmm. giving you a little blender at Christmas parties. It's like, I don't know. I just, I don't see it encouraging people to stay in that field. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you, you said earlier, uh, the everybody's replaceable mentality in mm-hmm. hospitality. And, you know, the irony is, is that I've been in, uh, worked in a few cities now where, we couldn't find workers. Mm. We were in like San Francisco. Couldn't find anybody to work. There's a ton of hotels there. And everybody who does those, what would be entry level or frontline jobs, don't live anywhere near where the hotel is in downtown San Francisco or downtown oh, your big city. There. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they, and they, they live further out and there's that much more competition out there in the areas where a lot of the workers live that they could drive five, five or 10 minutes down the street and get a job and get paid probably a similar amount as they would have to drive an hour and a half into downtown San Francisco and deal mm-hmm. with all of the stuff down there um, in that city in particular. But um, it, it strikes me that one of the elements that has to change as we come out of this is, is the, the empathy factor in leading teams and understanding that everybody comes into work with um, with a story, different needs, and they're trying to get something 
out of the job that they have and they've applied to work at your property to achieve all of the life goals that everybody wants to achieve. And they're hoping to be able to do that through the property that they've chosen to put their application in. And it could be several, but the one that they ended up getting hired at, Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate goal. Uh, And that empathetic leadership, that understanding of people's needs um, and trying to marry the two with the business needs of the property, that's, that's where the hard work has to happen as we come out of this. I think um, the hotels that do that really well are going to be the ones that, that succeed uh, going forward. Um, Yeah. You said it perfect too, because the hard part with hotels, everybody coming together is, you know, and if you don't work in the hotel industry, you might even know this, but they, you know, every Marriott hotel is not owned by Marriott International. Every Hilton hotel is not, actually Hilton's a little weirder, but, um, you know, each property has their own ownership group or, or management right. group. Yeah, they might, it might be one of the few properties that Marriott does own and manage, but, you know, and and then if you are like, let's say a franchise manager, uh, franchise Marriott property, you still have to follow the rules to still carry the Marriott flag, et cetera. But as far as like, pay scale and stuff like that. None of that it falls under that um, checklist that, that a hotel has to follow to, to carry a Marriott flag, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned when I was working in hotel staffing, and it wasn't until then when I really opened my eyes and saw this, was basically I was doing sales for for a staffing company and we would assist hotels with, you know, housekeepers, bussers, a lot of the kind of the those type of positions, sometimes front desk agents, but more or less some of the hourly that could could technically be temporary positions, banquet staff. And, you know, I would I would talk to, uh, you know, just to, just to throw out random brands, not to necessarily call anybody out, but I would talk to a courtyard Marriott, you know, on Miami Beach, you know, more parking is more expensive, is a little more expensive to be there and they would pay their housekeepers, let's say $10 an hour. Or let's say twelve dollars an hour. They pay their housekeepers twelve dollars an hour, which definitely wasn't. It was lower, but we'll say twelve dollars an hour. And um, you know that no free parking, so so our associates would have to find their way to get there because obviously they weren't living on the beach, like you were saying. They had to live outside the beach and right. get their public transportation to the hotel to work. Obviously, taking them forever to get to work, and finally getting to work. No no associate meals. You know, just pretty much going to work twelve bucks an hour. That's it. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm. And then we would have a St. Regis, you know, up the street that was, guess what they were paying per hour? Eleven dollars an hour. <laughs> I was gonna say twelve, but they're less. <laughs> and uh and you know, they might have had an employee meal or, or or some sort of little extra perk, but no still no parking, but still on the beach, you know, nothing. So it was it was like, wait a second, what on earth? Like this courtyard is is charging two hundred dollars a night for their guests, the St. Regis is charging a thousand a night for their guests. And you're telling me the housekeepers are going to get paid the same, if not less at the St. Regis, like, and they're obviously held to a higher standard. Like I can't send somebody to work at the St. Regis when they have a, you know, a tattoo on their neck or facial hair or, or, right. you know, uh, ear piercing or whatever else. So it was super eye opening. I mean, and I, it, sadly, I had to like educate these hotels. I say, you know, listen, the, you know, that this other property we have right here is paying this, giving them parking, they're giving them a meal, they're giving them this, what's going on here? And they're like, well, no, you know, we can get anybody here. Like, it's not an issue. 
obviously not, or else they weren't using a staffing company. That's probably why they were trying to use us. But it's just, it was, it was interesting to see that it really didn't matter what the brand, what the tier of the property, there was just no consistency. And again, two completely separate ownership groups, I'm sure that, that in those hotels. So they really, they don't know, but, but, but they do see the market. They, you can super easy to go on these job sites and figure out what the average pay rate is for a lot of these positions. So, Mm -hmm. so you can see it. Um, and, and it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. And, and and I know other industries aren't necessarily like that. I mean, obviously there's underpaid industries, but as far as like so much of the inconsistency, it's pretty crazy. It is. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. That's, that's just one of the things that needs to get addressed uh, yep. as, as we come out of this. Um, hey, Tony, before we wrap the show, uh, what would be the takeaway that you hope readers of your two books uh, get? What's the ultimate message you try and get out there? Yeah, I would probably just say, do your research first um, before you get into not only hotels, but any career. I mean, obviously my hotel is driven towards people, um, you know, hospitality, hotel related. But I think it's probably the same with any job. You know, you're going to have your loves and your hates. So before you get into it, do a little research, you know, find out if, if maybe schooling is needed or not needed or, or, or maybe an alternative route of schooling. Um, you know, um, just research. But I'd say research is the number one thing. Uh, but also, no matter what job you're going to choose, you know, unless you're, you know, Elon Musk and, and you, you can send rockets you know to the moon or whatever you know you have to remember that a job is a job at the end of the day and yes you can love your job of course but the end of the day is a job so you're always going to take away little things that you hate from it and uh you know and try to adjust the best that you can and luckily with you know the pandemic i think that it has enabled to a lot of people to kind of take a step back and and reevaluate their uh, career choices and and realize that that we are luckily in an age of uh of technology where you know you can go to school online pretty easily I mean, realistically you don't have to go to school online you can youtube school online or or, or udemy.com or, or or any of these other uh, cheap education sites and uh and kind of choose your own path and go from there but uh yeah but yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily want people to hate the hotel industry. Um, you know, that's not my end goal, uh, but uh, obviously, because there's a love in my title as well. Mm-hmm. But I would just say, you know, be cautious with it. And, um, you know, it's fun to vent about it. Don't be afraid to, to to share your love, but share your hate too and laugh about it. I know some people get really, uh, really upset when I post, you know, certain things, but at the end of the day, it's just all fun and games. I mean, like I said, I've worked for a zillion different brands and properties and, and ownership groups and, and positions. So, uh, so I just laugh about it now and, um, and, and, and hopefully grow. And then I've, and I am now in a career where I'm still kind of in the industry, but I've, I've have better hours, less hours, make more money, mm-hmm. you know, so you kind of have to take. So it can take. be done. It can be done. It, it, you can. Well, hey, I'm not. I'm not dead yet. So, uh, so I, I don't know if you can fully escape um, before before you hit the grave. But um, and you don't necessarily have to if you enjoy it. But um, but yeah, love it. Hey, <laughs> Tony, this was great, man. I appreciate you coming on and and talking about the book and your career and your story. It was uh, it was great to have you on. Uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, where can they go? 
Yeah. So uh, mainly the Instagram, just at love, hate hotels. And then, um, I was doing a little hotel recruiting on the side, but that's obviously taking a little step back uh, due to COVID. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I mainly post and link everything there. So if you, if you go to add love, hate hotels, you'll see the links for the book, the, um, you know, the Instagram, the Twitter, there's a little shop for a couple funny little hotel items. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's where you want to head. Instagram. It is. I'll link to it in the show notes. Everybody can find it right there. Perfect. Sounds good. All right, Tony. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. This was my episode with Tony Matthews, author of Love Hate Hotels. You can find Tony on Instagram at Love Hate Hotels. And don't forget to grab his book on Amazon. I'll link to his profile in the show notes. To see the full interview, just search the Proven Principles podcast on YouTube. And you can learn more about the show and find past episodes on our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. The show is produced by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company. Head over to knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.